Nation Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. That too, see how that turned out. Link will be in the description down below, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, well, what I'm saying is it's it's easy if you think math is reality, which it isn't. And we Math talked- is reality. Everything wow. that you do has a mathematical principle to it or can't or can be described using mathematics. For the example, work- your drive your drive to work, I can de- I can describe work- your entire drive to work using nothing but mathematics. That is not true, and that's what Zeno's paradox was all about during the pre-Socratic Arab Greek philosophy. And in my book, Thomas Jefferson Was Wrong, I have a detailed account of Zeno's paradox. Um, basically, the idea is in between each line segment, and really, if you believe in Einstein, you don't believe in, a, in lines because lines require fixed points and um, a, a, Heliocentric cosmology does not allow, especially the Einsteinian um, version, does not allow the idea of a fixed point. But even if you assert it ad hoc, um, there are an infinite number of points within a line segment. Basically, Zeno's argument is: let's say um, you say you you can describe your uh, trip to work. Let's make your home point A and work point B. Do you need to come at least half the space in order to get to work? Yes. Do you need to come at least a quarter of the space? What about a tenth? What about a millionth? Back to infinity. And so, in in essence, there's an infinite number of points within a finite segment itself. And so motion is undefinable. So, I mean, I've... Philosophers and mathematicians have known about these things for many centuries, and... Uh, it's utter hubris on the part of Red's rhetoric that makes him think that he can explain everything in mathematics, as I have pointed out from the work of Morris Klein, and I have a detailed account of it in my book, uh, Thomas Jefferson Was Wrong, um, Bertrand Russell, Morris Klein, many mathematicians have come to the conclusion that there is no truth in mathematics, and it has made them <clears throat> abandon science altogether. And moreover, um, which mathematics are you talking about? Are you talking about logicism, intuitionism, formalism, predicativism? You seriously need to read the book um, Mathematics Loss of Certainty by Professor Morris Klein. He was an atheist um, educator, professor at NYU, taught mathematics for about three decades. And um, you are. Uh, if you search for the truth in these things, Red, the the absolute insolence that you portray in your videos is going to come to a crashing halt when you're probably <clears throat> early to mid-30s. You sound like you're in your 20s or so. I don't know. I could be wrong. but If you actually search out um, these philosophical issues, which by philosophical I don't mean it's something divorced from just meaning and language because that's all philosophy means is what you say it's all philosophy is is what you say what you mean by the by your beliefs you are you are uh, headed for a uh, crashing 
humiliating fall um, when you find out about these things that you so dogmatically believe and you berate other people in such an insolent manner about. Um, you, you, you have some humble pie served up for you down the road, and it's going to hurt real bad. I go through all the primary source documentation on these issues in my video, Flat Earth, Scientific Skepticism, Gravity, and I made it uh, maybe almost two months ago now, but um, you'll get all the primary source documentation uh, there from, um, from Morse Klein, from Bertrand Russell, from Einstein, admitting that mathematics is not a law of reality. It doesn't explain physical reality. And I actually had, and I can show this to you, Red, from the head of the mathematics department at the University of Louisville. Uh, I can show you the email. If you don't believe me, uh, I asked the head of the mathematics department, had an email conversation with him. How do we know that the mathematics that we're writing down on a piece of paper actually represents physical reality? And his exact words were, Drake, that is a question which cannot be answered. And <clears throat> the, the experts in this field, Red, um, have served up for you a hot and ready humble pie um, when you are ready to receive it when you get older and you're fed up with bullshit and uh, you actually want to know what the truth is. Uh, you're, you're, you've got some humble pie to eat. Watch this for me. But what I'm trying to explain to you is that your entire view of space and everything that's going on is unfalsifiable because it doesn't matter what happens, you'll have an excuse. You Okay, so you're saying it is impossible. It is impossible. Never okay, so it's not impossible. So if it's not impossible and it's not possible, then why would you automatically jump to the conclusion that's one or the other? What, what if the possibilities are infinite, Red? So what, what you're doing is, you're, you, by using the word impossible, what you're saying is that your theory is a possibility. But if the possibilities are infinite, then the probability that you have the truth is represented by the fraction 1 over an infinite number. And so your, your probability that you have the truth is 0%. I mean, I could just easily say from the arguments you've used that the Earth is an egg, or a pineapple, or a pear an infinite number of objects. And so the, 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 your choice of a sphere is one over an infinite number of possibilities. And so the probability that you have the right position is represented by the fraction one over an infinite number. Yet I'm taught from the scripture um, that I have truth. And uh, there is, it is inescapable. I have taken the scriptures and refuted uh, the heliocentric model. I have refuted the concave model. Um, the Bible teaches flat earth and teaches that there's a dome. It teaches that there's a firmament over it. It teaches that it's where the birds fly. The traditional flat earth position is what the Bible teaches. And that's how I know it's true. Because um, the Bible is the word of God. And I know the Bible is the word of God from the firmament the bible says in the book of psalms that it's from the firmament the firmament shows his handiwork it is a proof of his existence from the fulfilled prophecies especially in the book of daniel daniel um, all the really all the way through the book of daniel 
the statue prophecy that predicted the kingdoms of the world that would rise and fall. In Daniel chapter 8, a specific prophecy of the rise of Alexander the Great. Daniel chapter 9, a specific prophecy about when the Messiah would come. Um, numerous prophecies in the book of Matthew, or in, in the New Testament in general, about the destruction of the temple. Yeshua pro uh, prophesied that. I know from the prophecies in the scripture that it's, it's divine. I know from, um, from the way it describes humanity and the policies that it has. It's exactly what I read, what I, what I see, I'm sorry, in the physical world I live in. I see men build civilization. I see races of people do not get along with each other and there needs to be nationalism and racial separation in order for there to be peace, or at least more peace than the imperial position. I see that uh, men are bad and there should be no freedom of speech and assembly because human beings are lying manipulators and uh, it, most of everything, most vast majority of the people of the world, just everything out of their mouth is just some mental game they're playing and they, they'll just do anything they can to get around facts and evidence and it's because of that that uh, uh, there should be a there should be a in society there should be a uh, philosopher kings there should be a, a session of men that have proven that they care about knowledge and truth and they should be the ones ruling society the, the democratic system is just utter denial of physical reality I live in uh, the relationships between men and women from what I've seen in um, the last 60 years since women's liberation, the sexual revolution, this doesn't work. The system that atheism created does not work. The system that the Bible has in it is clearly uh, what, is, what is compatible with um, uh, physical reality. Uh, men build civilization. The vast majority of the people of the world uh, that die on the job and that do the hard jobs that build civilization are men. And it's because of that that they should have, a, we have greater accomplishments. We're the ones that invented everything. We're the ones that do everything. We, we, we're the ones that build civilization on the, um, on the pain of our blood and broken bodies. And because of that, uh, men should have a higher status in society than women. Um, every, everything that I see in the Bible about humanity is correct from my physical experiences. Um, I, mean, I could just go on and on and on and on. On why I believe the Bible is that there's so many evidences to believe that the Bible is divine. Um, I, I've, as I've pointed out, there, there's no way the Jewish religion derived from any pagan religion. Uh, from my work that I, I cited, Judeophobia by Schaefer, uh, even before Jesus and his apostles, the, the peoples of the world hated the Jews. I have on my video, The Jews Do Not Control the World, I have cited from Roman, Egyptian historians and priests saying these Jews reject all of our ways. That's why we hate them. It's because they're so different from us. They, they reject all of our religion. Number three. So far from borrowing the religions of the peoples around them, the ancient Jews, in general, rejected paganism. Schaefer says again, quote, the motif of impiety is also present in all three authors. In Hecateus, the Jews do not worship images of God, as the Egyptians do, but believe that God is not in human form. In Apollonius, Molon, they are called atheists, and in Manetho, as laws completely opposed to Egyptian custom. So adverse to the religion of the Egyptians, we read of the Jews in the Histories by Tacitus, Book 5, the Egyptians worship many animals and images of monstrous form. The Jews have purely mental conceptions of deity as one in essence. 
They call those profane who make representations of God in human shape out of perishable materials. They believe that being to be supreme and eternal, neither capable of representation nor of decay. They therefore do not allow any images to stand in their cities, much less in their temples. This flattery is not paid to their kings, nor this honor to our emperors. The Jewish religion is tasteless and mean. They reject all of our ways. There's no way that the, the Bible has any other source but a divine one. That proves it. If you look at the work Judeophobia by Schaefer, it proves that the Jewish religion was a complete rejection of all paganism. And it is because of that that the peoples of the world hated the Jews. And that's why to this very day the Jews are a very hostile people to peoples around them because the peoples of the world have always hated them. And it's made them a very xenophobic people. And there, there's a reason for that. It's because their religion has no human derivation. It is a divine in its essence. Um, so there, there's just like five or six right off the top of my head, just devastating, irrefutable proofs of the divine inspiration of the Bible, that it has a divine origin. When I simply haven't jumped to this conclusion, this is the first time I'm actually watching this footage, I simply follow what Occam's razor says. You're the one actually in the intellectually dishonest position here. Says, so, so Occam's razor says that we're rotating a thousand miles per hour. Occam's razor says the, the, the explanation that requires the least amount of assumptions is the one that you should go go with I made a video about this issue as well um, what you define as Occam's razor is not Occam's razor I went to I went I was in graduate school I've read thousands of pages on this issue these debates that happened in the medieval period regarding what God is there's this you know when, when um, what was it around like, the 13th century or so when Aristotle's writings are brought into the West uh, you have this huge controversy over um, which philosophy would dominate Christianity, Platonism or Aristotelianism. And uh, there's this huge debate over whether universals are uh, a reality within the mind of God as a RK, a root of their existence in the physical world, or whether or not they're just, um, um, universals are not really real, they're just kind of forms implanted on a concrete entity. And outside of a concrete entity, there is no universal or there is no reality to it. And um, Occam basically takes a position that um, you should not multiply entities. Uh, you should not make too many distinctions uh, between things. And he's, he's more or less in the nominalist school. And that was Occam's razor, is not to multiply entities. Don't make too many distinctions between things. And he was kind of, um, he was kind of backing away from the scholastic. Um, under, if, you, if you ever read, I, I've read so much on, on this stuff, it's unbelievable, of uh, all these distinctions that the uh, theologians of the Christian church um, developing up into the scholastic period make when they're describing their theology uh, all these different distinctions they make metaphysical distinctions hypostases um, usia physis huperusia um, absolute divine simplicity um, the distinctions they make even in absolute divine simplicity there are no um, you know there's no constituent um, uh, distinctions in God there's no physical distinctions in God all these distinctions they make um, out of virtuar, um, all these distinctions they make, Occam is kind of um, uh, disgusted with all of this scholasticism 
and all of these um, curious questions the scholastics uh, make. Uh, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Right? He's kind of backing away from this scholastic tradition, and he comes up with this, this, uh, this principle, don't multiply entities. And I assure you, sir, I have read more on this issue than anyone I know, except for a couple guys I know that are in the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox Church, and um, there's no, um, the fewest assumptions is the better answer, Occam's Razor. That was invented later on. Occam's Razor is don't multiply entities. Occam's Razor is not the fewest assumptions uh, is the better answer. Number one, it's not an Occam, it's not Occam's. You guys just put his name on there for whatever reason, I don't know. Number two, it's just arbitrary nonsense. Um, Number one, uh, of course I should make distinctions and entities. One of the biggest um, problems in philosophy is what's called the reification fallacy. The reification fallacy is um, basically making a concrete entity of something that's not. And that it itself shows we need to multiply entities. We need to make distinctions between things. Number two, the, <laughs> the formula... Um, the, few, the, the, the argument with the fewest assumptions is the better argument or better position. Why? It's just arbitrary. It's just some, some cliche, that ad hoc cliche that we're taught to believe. Why? I, I don't understand it. And um, I, I, I understand that um, either way, you're, you're in an infinite regress, whether you have two assumptions or you have ten assumptions, you're still committing and affirming the consequent fallacy. So I, I don't understand how that makes any, things any better for you. You are assuming like a motherfucker that there is this big gigantic conspiracy and that they're launching these multi-million dollar satellites for no reason and that the ISS that we're seeing in our telescope is a fucking the most unaerodynamically you know drone ever created yet somehow stays up there you know with infinite fuel by the way that can be you are assuming that an institution that we have proven uh just invents these images these composite images of a globe earth um and you know at least in the public school when i saw these things i was never given the impression these things were composite images. I was led to the belief, and it's the same government agency, I mean, it's the same government that's over NASA, is over the public school system, and we were, this, this was pictures of the earth. This is way, the way they're presented in the textbooks. Uh, you're assuming that this institution that deliberately deceives people with these composite images is to be trusted carte blanche. And you are assuming that the Earth is a sphere and not an egg or a pineapple or a pear. An infinite number of assumptions you're making. And you're assuming that mathematics represents reality, knowing very well, I know very well, um, that that's just not the case. And there's just a host of academicians of your own tradition that will tell you this. And uh, berating Jaron, and I understand Jaron's kind of a simpleton, but uh, berating Jaron for his assumptions is just complete hypocrisy on your part, sir. I can give you just as many assumptions you're making as Jaron's making.
just for the sake of argument. Discover <laughs> satellite, fake. International Space Station, fake. Let's just say all of it is fake, just to make you happy, okay? The fact that the that the Earth is is uh, still a sphere. It doesn't, because here's the facts. The fact is, is that, fact number one, we have two pole stars, and this can be seen by myself, which is in the north, which you're also in the north too, and you can see this for yourself, right. and also in the south, which my friend Gert James, who is in South Africa, can, and also from a bunch of people, our good friends who are in who in, who are in Australia. Two pole stars that can clearly be seen by multiple people on stars rotating around a fixed point that is the point of what i'm trying to say because they rotate around a fixed point geometrically speaking that can only happen on a spheroid okay so i'm asking so you the north pole star does the exact i'm sorry the from the north and the south pole and they're two different stars two different constellations right. that can only happen i will repeat that can only happen on a sphere you're, you're just asserting that um why can't it happen on an egg or a pineapple or a pear shape or a diamond or a hexahedron or an infinite number of objects you're just asserting this this is what's called affirming the consequent fallacy and then you're using the false dilemma fallacy to say that um to, to say that it's only a spheroid these are just basic fallacies. What's this? Reality is so complex that we can never fully understand it with mathematics. All we can do is form increasingly accurate models of it, like with formulas. This means there is always a value missing or a value that may be off by a very small amount. For example, it's good enough to use pi to 10 places instead of 50 million places. The answer we get is still satisfactory, even though there is a hint of error infinity is just a hint um, I was under the impression infinity was the exact opposite of a hint it is a series that never ends and you, you say here <laughs> you're willing to just give yourself this window of 10 decimal places or 50 million decimal places oh it's just a hint right oh it's just it's just an infinite window for me to work with but it's just a hint no, it's, if it's an infinite number of, of uh, if, it, if it's an infinite number of variables that you're working with, and you want to choose one of them and act like that's some written in stone truth, sir, then you're only deceiving yourself. Einstein in any of my videos? No, I have not. However, I also know that what Einstein did to describe reality was mathematics. Einstein is, is known, is best known for what, Duranism? A mathematical equation. Yep. E equals mc squared. And also, what has he done? What did he use to figure that out? More that mathematics. Albert Einstein said in his Geometry and Experience, addressed to the Prussian Academy of Science in Berlin, January 27, 1921, quotation. <clears throat> as far as the laws of mathematics refer to reality, they are not certain, and as far as they are certain, they do not refer to reality, unquote. Professor Morris Klein, quote, Thus one cannot speak of arithmetic as a body of truths that necessarily apply to physical phenomenon. Of course, since algebra and analysis are extensions of arithmetic, these branches, too, are not bodies of truth. 
It seemed as though God had sought to confound them with several geometries and several algebras, just as he had confounded the people of Babel with different languages. Nature's laws are man's creation. Morris Klein, Mathematics, Loss of Certainty, uh, Oxford University Press, 1980, page 95 to 98. In Florida, we would not be looking in the same direction. There is a deviation there caused by the curvature of the Earth. How do we correct for this? Simple. A complete circle is 360 degrees. So if we divide the circumference of the Earth by 360, we will get 69.169 miles per degree of change. Now, if we take the distance between our two observers and divide it by that number, the miles per degree of change, we find that our visual degree difference is 34 degrees. So what this means is that we will need to add 34 degrees to Jade's measurements in order to offset the difference, which when we do the simple math, gives us a new value for Jade's Okay, so Red Rhetoric's, uh, Red's Rhetoric in this video begins with an onus probande and ad hominem fallacy of shifting the burden of proof. His argument can be summarized as, uh, if Jaron Campanella cannot give us a mathematical equation of how far people can see, that proves the Earth is a sphere rotating 1,000 miles an hour at the equator and orbiting the sun at over 60,000 miles an hour. His video of ships disappearing isn't affirming the consequent and false dilemma fallacy. We have other videos that show ships in full view with a more powerful camera even after watching them disappear, and we have video of buildings falling under the ocean's horizon that are not slanted over. So I could use this to prove that the Earth is more akin to a pineapple shape, curved in some parts and flat in another. So he didn't prove the Earth is a sphere rotating a thousand miles an hour at the equator and orbiting the sun at over 60,000 miles an hour. He simply made an ad hominem argument against Jerem, and by way of affirming the consequent and false dilemma, his <clears throat> he assumed his theory was true, and he tried to trap you into thinking that his theory was true, knowing that there's plenty of other possibilities that could work on the arguments that he's using. He's just saying, this is a possibility you haven't proved it's impossible, therefore it's true. That's affirming the consequent false dilemma. Okay? It could be a pineapple. could be an egg. could be uh, a hexahedron. could be a diamond. could be a cube. It uh, could be an infinite number of shapes, sir. Uh, so it could be a pear. So how do you know which one is right? Okay, you, don't, you notice what he's doing in his equation. Okay, this is, this is a classic affirming the consequent fallacy as well. When he assumes he, his, his 360 degree um, assumption is, again, it's affirming the consequent that the Earth is a sphere. So you have to assume that the Earth is a sphere in order for his equation to be true. <laughs> you see, it's affirming the consequent. And he, he cuts out all the decimals, right? And let me tell you what these guys do, what these scientists do, folks. This is a devastating problem with science. Every measurement that people take, there's decimals behind it, whether it's weight, distance, whatever it is. Okay, there's always decimals behind it. And really, there's an infinite number. Like, if you look at your ruler, okay, you can see those little marks on your ruler. In between those marks, there's an infinite number of points. You just have to have a stronger microscope. It's an infinite number of points there, okay? So every, every single time these people, if they, if they don't take a ruler with the little marks on it, you know, they'll have a little digital device, there's always decimals behind it, and those decimals go on infinitely. And what scientists do is they'll take 10 measurements, and then they'll make an average of those measurements. And then, well, I'm sorry, first, they'll, t they'll have the measurements, they'll cut off all the decimal points, except for maybe four or five or so. And then they'll take, um, they'll, they'll take an average of those 10. 
Okay, so the, 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 the average, the final number you end up with is not what was measured. It was, was averaged after cutting off an infinite number of decimal points. Okay, an infinite number of variation, an infinite value of variation after cutting all that off. They give you the number they want you to have. Okay, that, that that's just that's just that then then what you've basically told us is that the probability that your measurement is true is zero because it's one over an infinite number of possibilities. So the probability is zero that you have the right measurement. <clears throat> and again, his his three hundred sixty degrees that that assumes the Earth is a sphere. So the whole thing, the whole argument he's making is in affirming the consequent fallacy. Scrutinize it on its own merits before calling something a lie. Because unlike you, I don't deem things a lie just because I have a personal bias hinged on a guilt by association fallacy. What I do have, however, is the most unbiased tool in the universe when applied properly, mathematics. Okay, so here in this video, um, the next video by Reg Rhetoric, he gives no proof the Earth is a sphere rotating at a thousand miles an hour at the equator, orbiting the sun at over 60,000 miles an hour. He says uh, here, math is unbiased. Um, sure it is. Wh which math are you talking about? Um, the, the fact that we have different schools shows that there's different viewpoints, different perspectives, different biases. Logicism, predicativism. Intuition. Which school? Which mathematics are you talking about, Red? Which which one? Which geometry? You talking about non-Euclidean geometry? You talking about Euclidean geometry? Which one? Of course, there's biases. Okay, and he goes on to argue with Jaron about the existence of the ISS, um, International Space Station. I don't really have a dog in that fight. All these issues come down to propositional logic for me. Action is just an oh-so-unacceptable answer for why we can see distant objects. Not only that, but we're also going to educate Geranism on why seeing Polaris from Florida is actually what we would expect on around Earth. Red begins this next video. Um, this is what we would expect to see on a sphere Earth. That is affirming the consequent. That is a classic affirming the consequent fallacy. I'll give you a perfect example of affirming the consequent fallacy. Um, if it's raining outside, the streets will be wet. The streets are wet, therefore it's raining outside. Okay. If the Earth is a pineapple, um, I can expect to see exactly what you've demonstrated as well. If the Earth is an egg shape, I should expect to see what you've demonstrated as well. Okay. I can use all the same arguments you use for a sphere. I can use them for an egg, use them for a pear, use them for a pineapple shape, an infinite number of objects. You're, you're affirming the consequent. Isn't it disgusting the way they word their arguments, isn't it? Scrutiny. I believe the round earth because I can look at the world around me and comprehend its facts. Just, it's just disgusting. Notice he says, because I can comprehend its facts. I can comprehend the exact same facts on an egg shape, on a pineapple, on a pear, on a diamond, on an infinite object, sir. So you're just asserting your conclusion, and then you're proving your principles by your conclusion. And that's exactly what you did when you made a, a, um, the equation about the distance of the moon. You said, "See, since since I've come to this, con I've come to these principles, assuming this conclusion that proves the conclusion is true." <laughs> it's just bizarre. It's affirming the consequent. It yourself. So let's go ahead and see if this superior mirage is in fact impossible given its distance and the curvature of the Earth. All right. So n notice how he how he constructs his argument. 
He's, he doesn't say, I'm going to prove this picture is a mirage. What does he say? I'm going to prove that it is possible this picture is a mirage, given the assumption that the Earth is a sphere, rotating a thousand miles an hour at the equator and orbiting the sun at over 60,000 miles an hour. Right. I'm not going to prove it's a mirage. I'm just going to disprove that it's impossible. Right? <laughs> Isn't it disgusting the way he constructs his arguments? Because that's the way all these, that they, that's how they have to construct their arguments. The entire empirical scientific institution and foundation is built on the fallacy of affirming the consequent. If this is true, that is true. That is true, therefore this is true. That is a logical fallacy. But before we begin, I don't want to hear any bullshit from you about how trigonometry doesn't work. Because trust me, it does work. It's been proven to work. Through this for years, just because something works does not make it true. As I pointed out in my video that I made on scientific skepticism, um, Morris Klein said that Euclidean and non-Euclidean geometry have equal function. As I got from Stephen Hawking and from Einstein, you can use either geocentric or heliocentric cosmology to function. And as I cited from the McGraw-Hill Encyclopedia, a geocentrist universe is used in ballistics. So hey, if you say what works is true, then we can say geocentrism is true because it can work. And the only uh, response they have is, well, well, the heliocentric system is, is simpler. Well, there's actually quite a dispute on that because, as I've, uh, as I've pointed out, uh, Copernicus actually had eight more epicycles than Ptolemy. But either way, they both can work. Non-Euclidean geometry can work. Euclidean geometry can work. Contradictory theories can work. Geocentrism can work. Heliocentrism can work. So just because it can work doesn't make it true. And 0 0.12 degrees. I'm going to say that one more time. 0 0.12 degrees. Geranism, honest fucking question. Are you going to tell me that it is impossible for light to bend 0 0.1 degrees due to refraction? Are you really going to tell me that our atmosphere cannot bend light by 0 0.1 degrees? You know, you sure are staking a lot in your complicated equations, seeing you don't even know what light is. As I've already stated um, from my previous video against Tiger Dan, uh, scientists can't figure out whether light is a particle or a wave. And... Um, some of them call it a wavicle because they can't make up their minds whether it's a particle or a wave. Holy fucking shit, Geranism. Just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber, you continue to shatter my expectations. The fact of the matter is that stars act exactly how we would expect them to act if the Earth was round. Expect them to act. If our theory is true, we should expect it to act this way. It's affirming the consequent fallacy. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.